What's going on, everyone? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and this is episode 135 of the Adult Education Podcast. This week, I'm speaking with country artist Chris Lane. Thanks so much for checking out my show. If this is your first time joining the Adult Education Podcast, I hope that you like what you hear and that you stick with us. Maybe drop us a follow. I'd really appreciate it if you would take a second to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're using and feel free to share the show with your friends because word of mouth is definitely the best way to inspire new people to check it out. I'm excited for this episode. My guest this week is country artist Chris Lane. I've been lucky enough to know Chris really since the beginning of his career as a signed artist. I've seen him numerous times over the years from clubs to county fairs to bigger venues. Uh, He came out into the scene with a sound that was kind of different from other songs that we were hearing on country radio at the time. He leaned a little more pop with his sound while country seemed to be in what is now known as its bro country phase. For me, I kind of liked having something a little bit different on the radio and it seemed the audience did too. Chris saw a few of his songs hit the top of the country chart, but even with that success, he made the decision to pause things to reevaluate what he wants out of his career and where he sees things going. After taking a little bit of a break, Chris is back with new music, a new record label, and a new energy to take things into the next step of his career. Actually, this episode is being posted on Thursday, October 19th, and tonight Chris is doing an EP release show at Blake Shelton's Old Red in Nashville. His EP, From Where I'm Sippin', comes out tomorrow on the 20th. In our conversation today, we talk about what it was like to realize that he needed a change, what life has been like as a dad, he's got two kids now, and what's on the way for him. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Chris Lee. Find another bar, place to raise them up. It can't be that hard. I know you saw my truck. Why can't you find another floor? Different neon lives to you walk through the door. What's going on, man? Hey, buddy, can you see me? I can see you. You look like you're on the move. <laughs> got to try to find a quiet room because my kids will be hollering in the background if I don't. I just got my daughter to go down for a nap. I was like, you better sleep. I got stuff to do. <laughs> How old is she? Uh, almost three. She'll be three in December. Gotcha, dude. I, well, mine is, uh, he won't be three until next June, but um, I have one turning uh, one next week as well. So okay. one that's two, one that's about to turn one. So you had two under two then for a little bit. Whoo. Yes. <laughs> I think the last time I saw you was December of 2021. You did one of our guitar pulls here in Baltimore uh, with Breland oh, yeah. and Morgan Evans and uh, Morgan yeah. Wade, I believe, was there. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think you had just had your kid then because it would have been June of 2021, right? Yeah, your first child. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's been uh, it's been team no sleep since. Yes. <laughs> I was joking when you we were grays in my beard, man. <laughs> when my wife was uh, pregnant, I was like, you know, it's good for me because I've done morning radio for like 20 years. So I'm already used to not sleeping. This is fine. Whew, I don't know how the heck y'all get up so early. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have like the tour bus already fitted for two kids and a wife to come out with you? Yeah. Um, and I'm not really tour. I didn't tour a whole lot this year just right. so I could be at home to help out. And, um, that allowed me time to write and, you know, record music, all that kind of stuff. But, um, Yes. Uh, next year, we will definitely have the uh, the bus with two places for the kids to, to take naps, all that, all the above. Um, we'll get it set up quite nice. How's it been just trying to adapt to, I mean, look, in the last couple of years, it's been starting a family, you know, it's like getting married, it's having kids, it's all of it, uh, along with making a big change in your career. How has that whole, all that been for you? Man, I feel like the last two, even three years has been uh, quite a whirlwind you know I've had a lot of life changes with having two kids and um I think the biggest change for me 
uh, personally is especially this year. And then I, even a little bit last year, um, when we knew we were having about to have the second, um, I took time off as well, but, um, I'm not used to having this much time away from the road. I'm used to, you know, from the very beginning of my career up until the last two, uh, just getting after, you know, 150 shows plus per year. So taking a step back and, uh, you know, being a dad, but then, uh, also, really concentrating on songwriting and not just touring, 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 touring um, a million shows per year has been uh, a little different for me, but also uh, great in a lot of aspects as well. Yeah, I mean, it feels like you spent the better part of a decade really just touring and working your ass off, trying to find the next place to play, trying to get the next music out there, getting whatever you can to build your brand. And then you just took that time. And I, I imagine there is an adjustment, but I bet there's probably a little bit of relief at the same time. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I, I feel like a lot of these songs that uh, I'll be releasing on uh, this new EP I got coming out in a couple weeks and then uh, even record i would have never have written had i not come off the road and spent some time um writing but i think i'm still trying to find that uh work life and family balance and and that's been a, a tough adjustment for me like i said because i've just been out there grinding and uh getting after it um for for all these years so it's it's been a it's been a little different for me but um I am enjoying a little bit of downtime. You know, next year I plan on really getting after it. <laughs> I want to uh, dive in a little bit about really just the big changes that have come for you over the last couple of years. But I do have two questions before we get there. One, since you're an honorary member of Bachelor Nation, I feel like I have to ask you about the Golden <laughs> Bachelor. Are you guys into it? Have you checked it out yet? That's a great question. Um, yeah, so we, we actually... I'm not sure when it started, but last week, my wife and I watched the very first episode, and I feel like they did a good job. They hooked us in. We'll probably watch the rest of the season. Now, like I said, we've only seen the one episode, but plan on catching up to the others. And then I know they just started The Bachelor in Paradise as well, which is usually always pretty good as well. I'm not a huge watcher or viewer of The Bachelor in general, whatever the brand may be, but my thought with The Golden Bachelor is it's a really sweet idea, but I feel like most people watch for the drama. Are they going to find as much enjoyment watching 60 and 70 year olds having drama? Like, is that really going to be fun? That's my, that's my big thought on it. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. And I, I definitely had a very similar thought, but I feel like the first episode, they've got some characters on there. I think they'll, they always find a way to make the girls catty with each other. So it's just obviously a different age group. Maybe it'll be even more entertaining. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I know, uh, switching gears here, I know Big Big Plans has kind of become arguably your biggest hit of your career. And I know you wrote that as an engagement song for you and Lauren. Did you have any idea that it would grow to this level and still be, I mean, it's still getting played like crazy on country radio stations across the nation. Man, it, it's, it is crazy to me because when I first wrote that song, I was just thinking it was going to be a song that I would play for my girlfriend at the time and just use it to propose to her because I thought that that was a an idea that we would be able to uh, relive for the rest of our lives and just have the, a very personal song for us. But the reaction off of it uh, when I showed everybody how I proposed was so big that I feel like fans called for me to release that song. And yeah, what a major blessing to have something I thought would never see the light of day outside of our little moment be such a big song for my career. 
And to have it all these years later, I believe it's, I mean, it, that was back in 2019. So the fact it's still out there playing, uh, Makes me feel really good. <laughs> yeah, it's still getting a lot of love out there, and I love that for you because I do think there's uh, there's something with you. I, I like your voice on the radio. I like your sound on the radio, so I'm glad that we still got some Chris Lane kicking out there for us. Thank you, man. I know, and I'm obviously uh, very excited for new music because it's it's been uh, a hot minute since I've released um, anything. The last song I put out was, geez, probably – over a year ago, I had Lauren Elena sing on right. a little remake of Dancing in the Moonlight, which has been a, a a pretty big streaming song for me at this point and one that's very recognizable in my set and one that I'll probably keep in my set list uh, for quite some time. But uh, glad to, to finally be getting some new tunes out there. And uh, I think this is some of the better songs that I've had throughout my entire career and ready for people to hear. So I do want to talk about the new stuff, but I want to step back to fill them boots because from a radio perspective, that was your last radio single prior to the one that just came out here a few weeks ago. So fill them boots comes out in 2021. We get it. And we kind of think this is going to be the first song off a new project. And then it kind of, then you kind of take a break, like kind of slows down a little bit. And it's like, all right, cause we had you that year for our guitar pull. And it was like, man, Chris Lane seems like he's ramping up again. And then all of a sudden things kind of felt like they shut down a little bit. So tell me a little bit, about that i made a big career change um for me i was i kind of at a beautiful point uh in my career to have just realized this past weekend or the weekend before last um marked my 10th year in nashville mm. this town is incredibly difficult to become successful in because there are so many artists so many talented artists trying to make it every single day so I was not the the new shiny thing mm -hmm. anymore as I, as I once was when I first came out. I, I know what that felt like, but um, yeah, I felt like I'd reached this beautiful point in my career that I could start my own uh, record label. Mm -hmm. And every artist, no matter what point they reach in their career, wants to create more ownership over what they're doing. And for me, I'd had enough success, you know, with my first five songs uh, on the radio that it led me to this point where I, I was able to take a step back, create my own record label, and then find a partner uh, for that. And I found it in Red Street. And a lot of people don't know this, but Jay DeMarcus, who uh, is in Rascal Flats, runs the record label. And I previously knew him because I was out on tour with Flats uh, all those years ago. So I really got to know him. And then uh, he's in this new chapter of his life running this record label and, you know, felt like an incredible partnership for me to uh, do a venture with with my label. And now I get full creative control over what I do and, and what songs I sing and what songs I record. And I've honestly never been happier. Having the wherewithal and to be able to look at yourself and your career and sit down. And as you said, you weren't the shiny new toy anymore. Having that realization is a hard realization for a lot of people. And a lot of people don't ever have it. They don't realize that. They don't think about it from that perspective. For you, when you kind of started thinking that way, what did that feel like for you? For me specifically, I was more concentrated on wanting to release as much music as I possibly could. And this gave me the outlet mm. uh to do that, but every artist reaches that point. I was I was coming off the biggest song of my career, uh, or or one of them with uh, big big plans, and then I don't know about you. Right before that, you know, I, I've had a lot of early success that led up to this point. Um, but then we had the pandemic, mm -hmm. 
Um, I think for a lot of artists, the pandemic was a momentum killer to a certain degree because you weren't out there touring, you weren't out able to get in front of fans. And I feel like I've really built my audience um, touring and, and really getting after it all those years. So then all of a sudden I didn't have uh, a way to get in front of fans anymore outside of social media. So I think that took a little bit of my momentum away um, coming out of big plans, but, you know, just fighting a little bit to, to get that back in a way. And I know I will, I feel like all these, these songs that I'm about to release are, like I said earlier, some of the better ones that I've ever written in, in my career. And, uh, they feel like out of all the songs that I've released, I know what I've had success with. Uh, and I feel like I'm going to be able to, uh, garner that back with a lot of these songs. The beautiful part is I realize. I'm still selling a lot of tickets. You know, I can go into markets and, and uh, sell four or 5,000 tickets. And that's great for me. So I know I'm, I'm going to have a great touring career and continue to, to climb. Just need the songs to get music out there, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like my, fa- my fans personally have been uh, starving for quite some time, you know, because I had filled in boots right after uh, Big Plans and then uh, Dance in the Moonlight. And outside of that, haven't had uh, a ton of music over the last three or four years. Was dancing, so I'm ready to give it to him. Was dancing with your new label, or was that still part of Big Loud, or was that just? <laughs> yeah, dancing in the moonlight was uh, was with Big Loud. Still, okay, they were just signing Lauren Elaine, mm-hmm. I believe, at Big Loud as well. So yeah, that was my last release on that record label, and then I was able to start my own. And and Big Loud, if I recall correctly, when that label was founded it was essentially founded around you. I mean, you were the centerpiece of that label. You were the only artist, I believe, when they started that record label. And a lot of your recording process and all of that was tied into people there like Joey Moy and all of them. So I imagine it's a big shift for you to leave that group of people and go on to something completely different because they've been so tied to you from the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm, uh, so incredibly thankful uh, that I was able to, be a part of something so massive and to work with so many successful people. I mean, Joey along, uh, as a producer, I mean, he's one of the biggest, uh, not just in country, but, but all genre. Um, yeah. so I, I count myself lucky that I was able to work with such talented people. Um, but yeah, we, we had seven years of incredible success and, and, like I said, this kind of, I think the best way for me to put it, think about it in a sports term when a player gets, you know, their contracts up for, they be, they can become a free agent. Mm-hmm. You can go out there and get the best deal possible. Um, I think is essentially the easiest way for people to look at that um, from a record standpoint. I, I'd reached this point in my career where we had a lot of success together and six successful songs. Um, you know, I don't know about you was, I think it's about to be four times platinum, which is massive. Big plans, uh, double platinum, uh, take back home girl, triple platinum. I mean, we, we had massive success together, but, um, like I said earlier, I think mentally you just, you want more control over what you do and more ownership. And in our world, that's the name of the game. And and I was gifted that opportunity to do so. And I, and I took it. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's amazing that you did. And talking about the touring, as you were just discussing a second ago, that was something I always admired about you in general because, look, from a radio perspective, much to my dismay, we weren't always playing a ton of Chris Lane, despite the fact that I love your music, but that's that's the nature of the business sometimes. But I would still oh, come yeah. to the shows, and I would see these packed houses every single time, regardless of what was happening on the radio or happening you know, on the, on the, big, <coughs> the big public sphere. You were still out there you know, selling seats. And I loved that about you. I always appreciated that. Appreciate that, man. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that helped me early in my career was, uh, Florida Georgia line took me out on tour. So I feel like I went from, from playing to, you know, three or 400 people a night in a small, tiny little club to playing in front of 20, 25, 30,000 people. Um, and those guys really helped me out, uh, early in my career and continued to do so, you know, over three or four year span, um, where they took me out on two or three different tours. Then I was able to get out on tour of flats. And then, uh, Brad Paisley took me on a world tour and, uh, was very fortunate early in my career, you know, uh, to kind of build a fan base out there touring. And, uh, that, that helped me be able to sell tons of tickets on my own and, and go out and tour on my own. And, and I've been able to build off that success uh, ever since. But, you know, the name of the game is to, to find ways to keep it going. And I have no doubts I will be able to do that. And uh, to go back to sports terms, we were just saying, it kind of seems like your career was like you were on the Chiefs and your contract was up. And then you decided, you know what? I'm going to go to the Panthers. I'm going to go start fresh <laughs> and uh, do something all brand new. So there is an element yep. of going to, to Red Street and working with this team. They're a fairly new record label in the country world. I know they've had some Christian stuff out there before. Um, but yep. from the country perspective, they're a pretty new label. And they've got some great artists on it. But th- you're the most established artist on that label right now too so uh it's interesting to sort of start over all over again with a new team like that it was very exciting for me to do that not only after meeting the team and realizing the the people that i would be working with at red street um i felt like they had an incredible team of people um but for me early on like like we talked about earlier i was the very first artist on big loud and I know what having that level of – I was basically the only artist they were pushing. So it made it a lot easier for things to happen throughout uh, the early parts of my career. Um, and, and now looking back on it, I saw what that did for my career. And I feel like uh, being somewhat of a flagship artist on uh, Red Street, being a new label, um, I'm hoping to have the same level of success, uh, if not even more. I saw it work once. I feel like it can work again. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. And I, you know what? And you got Jay DeMarcus on your side, which reminds me of a funny story. So th- there was a picture you posted on Instagram. I think it was you in the studio. And it was just, I forget the caption, but it was something like new music coming or something like that. And you know how like on Instagram, it'll only show you one or two comments underneath the picture. And then you move on to the <laughs> next one. The very first comment was from Jay DeMarcus and it just was like an emoji of some kind. So I texted Emily, Emily, one of your team uh, members over there, the, the rep, Emily Berman. I texted oh, her. Yeah. I said, do you guys sign Chris Lane? And she, she called me back later. She's like, I literally was walking out of a meeting. We had to turn back around in and go into a meeting immediately to discuss what just happened and tell Jay to stay <laughs> off Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what a coincidence. That's Chris awesome. is in a studio and Jay DeMarcus is commenting. I imagine there's yeah. probably a partnership coming here. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I'm very excited, man. You know, obviously, it's early in. We're just now about to release uh, the first five songs, but very excited for the future of the Red Street and obviously uh, my own label as well. You know, I think there's a there's a longer play for me down the road somewhere to uh, find my own artist and, and take them out on tour. I've seen other artists in, in our industry. I think Kane does this as well. And I really liked what I saw with, with how they handled their stuff. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive in and do a little bit of that myself. You mentioned earlier that now you have full control over your music. So what does that mean to you? I mean, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about the stuff that's coming out? I'm feeling great, man. You know, two of these songs, uh, one's called Mistake and one's called Betcha. I, I put out the course to these songs a long time ago. I've never received as much feedback on any two songs throughout my entire career as I have these two. Now, I don't know what it is about them um, that made people react, but I feel like out of all the songs that I've ever released, and these two are unreleased, no one's ever reacted over any song that early in like they have over those. So I'm excited to get those two out specifically just to uh, hopefully build off the momentum uh, that I had with them years ago when I put the courses out. Um, so I, I think that it could be really great songs, uh, for my career, but we shall see. <laughs> well, we got find another bar out there right now, which I, I really like. In fact, when, uh, your, your rep, Emily played it for me, I just looked at her and I was like, thank you. And she's like, what do you mean? Thank you. And I said, thank you for giving us Chris Lane back. Like I, I missed, <laughs> I missed the sound of Chris Lane on the radio. Like there is something distinct hey, yeah. about your voice, distinct about the way you put your music together. And it was something that I've been missing for the last couple of years. And I was just like, this is, this is what I needed. I needed this in my life. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. A song, honestly, I wrote back in uh, 2020 with another artist, uh, Josh Thompson, who's, you know, had massive success, not only from uh, his career, but also songwriting career as well. An incredibly talented songwriter. Um, and, and Find Another Bar was just one of those. I felt like it was a unique way uh, to write a breakup song. I'd never heard somebody do it that way. I remember when Red Street first heard this song as a demo, they freaked out, loved it, and uh, wanted it to be the first song that we released for the forthcoming project. And um, yeah, excited to see where this song takes me. One of the, if I if I may, one of the critiques that I would say people have had about Chris Lay and music from the radio perspective over the years is that sometimes your songs lean a little more pop. Now, I think the country landscape has changed a lot in the last few years, really, especially since oh, you yeah. broke out on the scene. Um, how have you taken that into your songwriting? I mean, have you, have you felt pressure <laughs> to try to be, quote unquote, more country? Like, have you felt any of that? Or are you just like, look, I'm Chris Lane. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And that's who I am. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I have that that attitude. I'm I'm just going to do what I do, and and you know, I feel like I I don't want to move away from what has given me success. But what I will say is, when I first came to Nashville, and people can go do their own research, you can they can look it up. When I was putting out music on my own in North Carolina before I had a record deal, it was very very rock driven for you know, country, you know, my, the, the guys that I love, Kenny Chesney has a very rock sound in a, a lot of his songs, you know, um, I love the guitar sounds, uh, Al Dean, uh, Eric Church, I mean, Keith Urban, all these guys that, that I love influenced the kind of songs that I wrote. Now, all those songs were terrible, but I'm very thankful for them because they led me to, uh, getting a record deal eventually. And when I first came to town, I think when you 
get with someone who's had as much much success as uh, Joey Moy and the Big Loud guys, um, I was a little green in the sense of we were trying to figure out where does Chris Lane fit at in country music. So we released this song called Broken Windshield View that was very similar to the style of music that I was releasing in North Carolina on my own that had given me success to get this record deal. I had built up my own fan base and following there in North Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida. I was able to branch out into all of those, and that's how I ended up getting a record deal because I was selling tickets in all of those markets. And so Florida Georgia Line had just popped off. I became the second artist to sign this development deal with Big Loud, who who was not a record label at right. the time. And we put out this song, Broken Windshield View, while I was out on tour, Florida, Georgia Line, just so people would have a way to go home and be like, oh, this guy's got one song out. I loved what he did at the concert, whatever it may be. You just hope that uh, it's a recognizable thing for people to go home and remember me by. And then years go by, I haven't put out music yet after this song. And I think they're trying to figure out, well, where exactly does he fit? Is it this sound or is it this sound? Um, and then the, the song Fix came along, which was completely different than anything that I had ever done. And I sang it really well. And they felt like, well, maybe this is his lane. This is way different than anything on the radio. Why don't we try this? And that's exactly what we did. That was the first song that gave me, I guess, a certain level of success. You know, it was number one out the gate. Um, and that's what Big Loud, that's when Big Loud started the record label was with that song. So it was a little more pop leaning. It wasn't what I came to town with and it wasn't what I was doing. It wasn't necessarily what I was passionate about, but at the same time I was very green and I thought these guys have had an incredible amount of success. I'm just going to listen. And guess what? It worked. It, it worked really, it worked really well early in my career. But then fast forward to my second record, we had talked about it in the studio a lot. I just said, man, I want to go a little more guitar uh, driven, more like I was when I was in North Carolina. Um, and that's kind of what we did. Um, it's not very guitar driven, but more so than the first record. And then the songs that I continue to release, you know, we get filled in boots out there. Mm -hmm. It's a little more guitar driven and, and still leaning more towards this. Dance in the Moonlight. Still got a, a cool like 70s style guitar leaning, which I really like. So I, I think I'm just kind of getting back to who I was when I first came to town and, and what I was doing on my own before any professional ever stepped into my life to tell me this is what we should be doing kind of thing. And I'm very excited for that. At the same time, I'm not going to move away from what gave me success. You know, I don't like I said, all these songs fix was is on its way to double platinum for her about to be double platinum uh i don't know about you take back home girl all those songs massive songs for my career big plans same thing i don't want to move away from what gave me success but you know when i play live which i feel like is my bread and butter i've taken all of my songs and made them more guitar driven like even even my hits like we always add more guitar in them so i think in the studio now uh when i'm really getting the chance to say what i want and what i prefer they're definitely a little more guitar driven than uh, some of the songs that I've had in the past. I can't Just wait to hear them. who I was before. 
Thank I you, uh, man. I appreciate that. I have this uh, before I let you go. I have this like five CD changer stereo in the house, and I really only keep it because I plug my record player into it. I don't actually use the CD player anymore because who uses CDs anymore, right? But my daughter's hitting all the buttons the other day, just messing around. All of a sudden, one of the CDs starts playing, and it's the sampler that Big Loud sent me with Fix on it way back no when way. and that little guitar lick comes on and you know I, I can't do it justice but that guitar lick, and i was like <laughs> god it's like this song has such a cool vibe even after yeah. all these years and i i know in the in the radio world we can't play every single forever some songs have to kind of fall away it's just the nature of the business but i was like man i i want to hear this song once in a while like there's just something awesome. there's a vibe of fix that i just it makes me happy that's awesome man i appreciate that um yeah, I'm obviously incredible, thankful for that song myself. But I think I learned after that and for her and some of these other songs that had such high falsetto parts in them, I had to go out for 150 plus shows a year <laughs> and sing that high. And I wasn't used to doing that. Like you can get into the studio, you know, you can take as many tries as you can and, and make it sound awesome. You got to get out there and do it live and sound just as good was not as easy to do. So I, I made it a point on my second record. I said, man, I am not doing any song with falsetto. I'm not going to kill myself on a nightly basis. So I kind of I, I kind of stopped doing that. But yeah, first record and first song, that was kind of the uh, the thing. No one was really doing that in country, and we, we sort of tried to make that my thing. Well, Chris, I love it, man. Wasn't I, the right thing. <laughs> well, it's it's worked out all right for you over the uh, over the years. Yes, but I uh, I appreciate you. Uh, I think the live show is always one of my favorite things. Whenever you roll through Baltimore, the DC area, I'm always trying to be there to to catch that Thank show. You, and, man. and I'm excited for you, man. I feel this new life coming through the phone right now as we're chatting. I know you're excited for it, and I I can't wait to see what's next. Thank you, brother. I'm gonna text you all the new songs right now. Oh, please do. I would love to hear it. Heck yeah, I sure will. Big thank you to Chris Lane for his time. His new EP, From Where I'm Sippin', comes out on October 20th. I like it a lot. I think he's got a new energy right now that I'm just really into. I can't wait for all of you to hear it. And thank you to all of you for listening to the show. Until next time, be well.